listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is the fifth part of the series called Rediscovering the Gospel. Today's message, given on October 15, 2017, is titled, The Gospel Shapes Relationships. The gospel is how we begin the Christian life. However, we can never move on beyond the gospel. We can't say, I've got the gospel, um, now I want the deep stuff. No, the gospel runs deep. In fact, the gospel should continue shaping every aspect of our lives and our relationships. And today, we're going to talk about the relationship side. This message is called The Gospel Shapes Relationships. And I don't know if you have observed this lately, but I certainly have. I think there is a, um, I don't want to say it's an epidemic, but there's certainly a lot of examples of isolation and loneliness today. I mean, just the other night, Ann and I were out eating with some friends, and we observed there were two tables next to us. There were eight chairs at each table. There was one table of adults, and they were all sitting around having a wonderful conversation, and then there was a table of about eight. It was eight. It was mostly boys, but I think there was one or two girls there, and they are just all there. There was no conversation. Maybe they were texting each other. And listen, I'm not trying to pick on the young generation, okay? Because I have some of the young generation and I love them. But I would think that, you know, people say, well, I'm more connected because of social media. And, And perhaps you are. But I think there is a vital, real connection that Christ wants us to have that social media can't fill that need. And there is... A connection and relationships are everything, quite frankly. The strength and quality of our relationships shape our whole life. We don't go through this world alone. We are helped by some relationships. We are held back by other relationships. And, you know, we are supported by friends or family, or we get stuck in a maze of drama and heartache. Now, There are some areas that I think our relationships need help, okay? Just some come to the top of my mind. I would say in the home. Some of us, I know, you know, some home situations that you're dealing with, and that's rough. Probably our homes could use some help in relationships. Or those who are in school. I mean, do you have great relationships in school? Maybe a a couple, you know, but then there's also those people that just, you know, get on your nerves. Okay, work, right? Some people, you're like, oh, if I didn't have to work, if it's, uh, you know, I like, I like the, the, the job I do. It's just some of the people there, it's just so difficult to get along with, okay? Or some of us have trouble in relationships with our extended family. Maybe we're tight with our immediate family, but then when you open the lens a little bit wider and you start to think about, oh, that's uncle so-and-so, you know, with him, oh, you know, um, even church. Sometimes there are people in church where you're like, oh, gosh, I hope I don't see them today. You know, and I'm not passing judgment on that, but those are symptoms, I think, that we need the gospel to drill into and to shape our relationships. And some of the areas that we probably could use help with, don't raise your hands here, but some of you probably could use help with anger. Some of you could use help with forgiving someone. Some of us could use 
help just taking responsibility or being responsible. Some of us need help in establishing or reestablishing trust. Some of us need help or we don't have, we have a lack of love. And so those are just some areas that I've thought of. There's a whole lot more. Maybe I didn't mention the one that's on your heart or mind right now. But listen, the gospel shapes relationships. And this little four words that we have been using in this series, I just want to briefly mention it again. These are four aspects of the gospel, and you will see today, hopefully, how they factor into relationships as well. The first word we have been using is God. God created us. God loves us, and God holds people accountable for their actions. The second word is man or us, okay? We are the problem. The problem is we have rebelled against God. We have gone our own way. We have sinned, and that has severed the relationship between us and a holy God. The third word is Jesus. We cannot solve this problem on our own, so God sent his son Jesus to be the solution to repair this relationship so that we could be forgiven of our sin and our rebellion, and we could re-enter into a relationship with God through the completed work of Christ on the cross. And the fourth word is response. We need to respond to what Jesus has done. And we do that in faith and in repentance, in trusting Jesus and in turning and changing our mind from our old ways to our new ways. And so those four things, really, that's kind of the essence of the gospel. And the thing is, the fourth word, response, as we respond to Jesus, would you agree with me that maybe one of the first areas he usually begins to work on when you began the Christian life is in your relationship with other people. I'll never forget, years ago I worked um, for Youth for Christ, and uh, we used to go on this trip to the Catskill Mountains over the Christmas break every year. It was awesome. Uh, People just came from all over, sometimes from different states. Um, Jeff was on one of those one year, actually. We talked about that. But one year, they had, uh, um, I forget who the speaker was, but they, they, you know, they presented the gospel to us, and there was this one girl who was like, you know, we had been praying for her for a long time, and she finally came to faith in Christ and trusted in Jesus. And, you know, we were, she was really excited about this. And then one of the things that the leader said to her is, listen, I want you to tell your friends about the choice that you made to trust Christ. But I want you to show your family. I don't want you to just go home and tell your family what you've done. Because if you don't live differently, your family's going to see through that and they'll be like, oh, that's just a phase you're going through. And I'll never forget that because she really did that. And her mom eventually did come to saving faith in Christ too. So the gospel changed her relationship with her mom and in her family there. So um, let's turn today to the letter of Paul to the Colossians. We're going to read a passage from Colossians 3.
And I'm going to re- we're going to read verses 12 to 17, but I'm going to do it in two sections. So I'll read the first section first, and then we're going to take a look at how the gospel can shape our relationship with this. Colossians 3, starting at verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. May God bless this reading of his word. I want to highlight a couple things. First of all, it says in the beginning, put on then, okay, just like all of us this morning, put on clothes. Thank you for doing that. We are grateful for that. We put on something, but as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So who would you say, and you can answer this, who would you say he's talking to? Christians? Believers? Right. Okay. We are God's chosen ones. He picked us. He chose us, and we are holy. We are holy because of Jesus. We can't become holy on our own, but because of what Jesus did, you know, we become holy, and we are beloved. He loves us. So he is talking to people who have already trusted in the gospel. Okay, this isn't a message to the world. This is a message, and although these principles do apply, I mean, you know, they make sense, but they especially, this is an exhortation to people who have already trusted in Christ. So, here we talk, here we come up with some words. The first one is compassionate hearts. Let's talk about compassion. What is compassion? Well, and these actually are virtues that the gospel, when it shapes our relationships and we put on these virtues, God does a work and improves our relationships. Compassion is a deep feeling of love that expresses itself in action. You know, some people kind of confuse compassion with pity. They see something and they're like, oh, that's just so bad. Now, compassion can start with that, but it has to go beyond that. It must move on to action. It's where you see something and then you do something, okay? It's not enough to just say, let him eat cake. That doesn't work, okay? You have to feel something, but then you have to do something. And so compassionate hearts, that's one of the ways, one of the things that we are to put on, okay? The second thing is kindness, Kindness, a good definition of kindness is treat your neighbor's good as important as your own. You know, that's the golden rule, isn't it? Right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay? Kindness, treat your neighbor's good as important as your own. And then the next one is humility or humble hearts. Humility. I like this definition of humility. Humility is seeing yourself as you actually are. C. 
seeing yourself as you actually are, not bigger. We talked about that last week. We talked about being resized as we see Christ for who he really is. Okay, And not only do we see us as we really are, not bigger, but we properly understand our relation to God. A humble person knows where their source of power is. A proud person is deceived. A proud person thinks their source of power is themselves. Okay, And that causes all sorts of problems. So humility, that is a, that is a virtue that we are to put on. Okay? And then the next virtue that we are to put on is meekness or gentleness, okay? Now, that's not a word we use often today. You know, if you think of somebody as meek, you know, what, what, what comes to mind? You know, maybe somebody who people walk all over, and that's not what this means at all. Do you know that meekness means power under control? Okay, when you have somebody who's really strong and could knock your lights out, but they don't lord that over you, in fact, maybe they even use that to protect you, that is a meek person. Okay? And when this is something that's so key. Sometimes people maybe don't try to control someone with physical means, but maybe they use emotional means or they you play mind tricks with someone, or they just lord their presence over you, do you realize that when Christ is in control of our lives, we don't have to control others? Because if you believe that Christ is in control of your life, then by definition, Christ is also control of their life. And if Christ is in control of both of our lives, then Christ will work things out, and we don't have to try to control another one. Now, of course, that breaks down if someone isn't yielding to Christ. But you know what? Sometimes we just have to trust that God will work things out. And that's what sort of comes in uh, a little bit later on, okay? Patience. Oh, I hate when that one comes up. How many of you are just like impatient people? Let me see. Come on. Yeah. yeah be honest, okay? You're impatient. You want something now. You don't want to wait, especially if you're a New Yorker. New Yorkers are, you know, have trouble with patience squared because it's just, we are just in this pace. But, you know, I think we all know what patience means, but I want to give you an, a little insight. The, the word that's translated patience actually means a refusal to be upset by perverse people. A refusal to be upset by perverse people. And listen, don't we live amongst perverse people? Absolutely. Okay, and sometimes we just wish that God would just go in and zap that person that's perverse. But patience is re refusal to be upset with, by perverse people. So that's a virtue that we are to put on. Okay, the next virtue is bearing with, or in some translations it says forbearing and forgiving. Okay, forbear actually means carrying. It means I'm going to carry along this circumstance or this situation because right now I realize that we cannot reach a resolution right now. So I'm going to carry on and continue hoping that eventually it will reach a resolution. Okay? Sometimes it's not going to work out that way, but sometimes things just need a little more time. 
But sometimes things need the other one too, which is the forgiveness, where you realize you're not going to be able to work this out, so then you just have to get to the point where you say, I am going to forgive this person. And I've used this definition many times. I really like it. Forgiveness is canceling a debt. Someone has done something to you, and it has hurt you in some way. In a sense, there is a cost that you or somebody has to pay. And when you say, I'm not going to have that person pay that debt back, I'm going to cancel the debt, that is when you forgive someone. And sometimes, quite frankly, it's at great cost to yourself. It's at great cost to yourself. And revenge is totally out of the question. Forgiveness is grace at work. Because doesn't it say right there that we are to forgiving each other, verse 13, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So do you see the gospel model of what Jesus did is modeling forgiveness through and through. And so he's not asking you to do something that he has not done already. Did Jesus get even? Nope. Did Jesus get revenge? Nope. Does Jesus expect us to pay a debt that we cannot pay? Nope. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of life, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. So the only wage that could be paid for sin is death. And Jesus paid that. So so there's a couple of uh, virtues that we're to put on. There's one more, and that is love. And love is is one of those all-encompassing words, and I'm not really going to go much into that today. I think we all understand what love is, although maybe we haven't necessarily seen it exactly as God has personified it. But of course, the best way to look at love is to look, and we mentioned this last week, is to look at the cross and look at Christ because love is the crowning garment of Christian grace. That is it. So now, let's, let's take a look at these virtues and let's ex- see how does the gospel exemplify these virtues. So, I mean, we could pick just about any of them. I'm not going to pick them all, but let's look at compassion. Okay, compassion. Um, Remember a bunch of weeks ago, we looked at the passage where Jesus saw the crowd and he saw that they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And what did he have on the crowd? Compassion. He had compassion on the crowd. And then he said that thing that I keep wanting encouraging you to pray. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his field. I hope you're still praying that. There is too big a harvest here of souls that cannot be met by the, heart, by the laborers that are in the few churches that are in this area. We need more laborers. All the churches in this area need more laborers in order for God to have the harvest of souls in this community. Okay, so compassion was demonstrated by Jesus on the way he acted towards the crowd. Okay, how about humility? I mean, gosh, 
Son of God coming in human form, that had to have been humbling. I mean, think about it. Philippians 2 has the great passage which says, although he had equality with God, he did not hold on to it, but made himself nothing, becoming like a servant. And with joy, he endured the cross, suffering his shame. Okay? So Jesus humbled himself to come on earth. That is wrapped up in the gospel. Okay? Meekness. You know? Jesus could have just done so. The only time he really zapped people was like when he was with the real religious people, right? The money changers. You know, here's people taking advantage of the worship, and, you know, he just turned over the tables. But even that, he wasn't doing it in a vindictive way or anything. He was about the honor of his father's house. Okay? And patience. I mean, you know, God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he's waiting until all those who are appointed to come to faith in Christ will come in. So he shows patience. And, of course, forgiveness. Gosh, I don't have to say anything about that. So do you see how these virtues, this is not just something that God is saying, okay, well, you do this. Because, quite frankly, how many of you, when you see a list of things, you sort of check out? Right? You're sort of like, oh, I can't do that one. Oh, Oh, no, 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 I can't do any of these, you know. Or some of you are list-driven. How many are the list-driven people where you're like, yeah, okay, I got one. Oh, okay, now I got another one. So the list either motivates or it repels people, depending upon how you're wired, okay? But that's not what this is all about, okay? The gospel exemplifies all of these values. And know this, as the gospel transforms us, relationships improve. As the gospel transforms us, relationships improve. Now, some of you might be saying, as we were going through those, you're like kind of checking off like, ooh, I got problems with that one, or I have that one I don't have, or this one I kind of have, and this one I need work on, or I don't have any of them. Well, I want to give you a transforming thought this morning, okay? Instead of starting with what I should do, start with what God has already done for me, okay? I want you to try this. I want you to try this, okay? I'm going to say a sentence, and I'm going to leave two blanks in it, and we're going to fill in the blanks. The sentence goes like this. Because God is, and that's one blank, with me, I can be blank with others, okay? And let's kind of go through the list of those, okay? Let's say it. Because God is compassionate with me, I can be compassionate with others. Hmm. Does that change things a little bit? Maybe. Because God is kind with me, I can be kind with or towards others. You see how this is changing? It's not just I have to do this. Because God is humble, because Jesus was humble, I can be humble towards others or with others. Because God is meek, I can be meek towards others or gentle. Because God is patient, I can be patient with others. Oh, don't ever pray for patience. Don't don't do it. We need to do it, but when you do it, your patience will get trusted. But remember what I said, though. Patience is more than just enduring. Patience is a refusal to be upset by perverse people. So maybe you're having a patience problem with that perverse person. Okay? And sometimes... You know, we just have to say, you know what? If your enemy is hungry, give him something to 
eat. And if your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. That's in Romans 12. Now, we like the idea of, ooh, heaping the coals, but actually what that means is that means that God will, you know, the heaping the coals is meaning that you don't have to take action right now because God is going to deal with it. So it's kind of a patience thing too, okay? So because God is forbearing, I can forbear others. Or because God is forgiving, I can't forgive that person. Is that what it says? No, that's not what we're going at. Because God is forgiving, I can even forgive that person that I have never been able to forgive before. And because God is loving towards me, I can be loving towards others. That could really transform your life if you got a hold of that concept. So rather than looking at that list and at the thing where you're like, I don't know if I can ever take care of that one. Guess what? You can't. You're right. You can't ever take care of it. In your own strength, you're going to just do the same thing over and over again. But you can cry out, God, I can't do this. I need your strength. You can pray, God, I know I should forgive, but unless you work in my heart, I'm just lost. I can't forgive that person. And then God answers and softens your heart, and he begins to change your desires. That is how you experience the living power of the gospel, which is Christ in you. Okay, let's read the second part of today's passage. Let's go down to verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to let the word of God dwell, live, take up resonance in us. And not just so that we are changed, but there comes a responsibility as well. Because as the word comes in and lives in us, we are told that we should be teaching and admonishing. Admonishing is correcting, helping get back to rights, each other. And how do we do it? Well, we need to be wise about it. And that wisdom comes from the word. And we need to do it together. It doesn't say, you know, you know I mean, some of you sing by yourself. That's great. You know, I don't do that. I'd scare the birds away or something. But, but some of us, you know, but we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual God, uh, songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. I so appreciate our times of worship here at our church. I just love it so much because there is something special that happens when God's people gather together, and we are together declaring the goodness of God in one heart and in one corporate voice. It is wonderful, okay? And then verse 17, and whatever you do, not just in some things, not just in the things that you like, in whatever you do, in word, in what you say, or in deed, in what you do, do everything 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. And how are we to do it? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, this isn't a virtue to put on, but it's in the same thing. And I, so I'm going to say it's, it's probably implied by that. It's being thankful. Being thankful. You know, it's so refreshing when you're around somebody else who has an attitude of gratitude. You know what I'm talking about? When you're around a grateful person, you realize that they realize that what they have is not because of something in them, but what they have is because of what God has blessed them with. And quite frankly, sometimes some of the people that have the least wealth and means are some of the most grateful people. Sometimes the people who are so well endowed and, you know, they're like, they're, they're miserable because they want more. They've got more than all of us in the room together and they want more. Okay? So we need to be thankful. Give thanks in everything. Be a grateful person. And that change, if you're having problems in a relationship, I would suggest you check your gratitude meter in that relationship. Because if there's somebody who you're not getting along with, perhaps they don't see the gratitude in you or you don't see the gratitude in them or it's both. So I, I just think that that's something. Well, listen, as the gospel transforms us, relationships improve. So is the gospel changing you? I hope it is. Have you trusted in Jesus? I hope you have. If you haven't, you're invited to do that today. But listen, here's a news flash. If you're like, I'm not seeing change in this area. Here's the news flash. You haven't arrived. You are a work in progress. Okay, in fact, we had a youth speaker years ago. Some of you may remember Bill Page. Bill Page always used to say, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Neighbor, you haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. You're a work in progress. You're a work in progress. Okay, good. I always loved when he did that. And now you can look back at your neighbor and say this, dang. Dang. (laughs) All right. But listen, that's the thing. We're a work in progress. Okay. And because we're a work in progress and because we are not evaluated, you know, on what we are, but I think God evaluates us with how much we trust in Christ to change us, okay? I would ask you this. Which of these virtues that we just read today in Colossians 3 do you need the most to put on? Some of you might be saying all of them. Well, no, pick one or two at the most. Pick one or two, and then I'd like you to write it down. Sorry I didn't give you the bulletin to write it in. But write it where you're going to see it. And then every day, say, I want to put on patience. Or I want to put on meekness. or Just each day, as you're getting dressed, you're putting on clothes, I want you to say, I want to put on this today. Lord, I need your help. In my own self, I do not do this naturally. But I believe your word which says we are to put these things on, and therefore, if you're telling us to do it, I trust that you are going to give me the power and the means and the opportunities to put it on. And I'm going to have 
I, I want to see my relationship improve. So that's what I would challenge you to do this week. Put it somewhere where you'll see it, and then pray it, and as opportunities arrive, do it. Because as the gospel transforms us, relationships improve. You know, when it comes to relationships, I think we would all agree we're all a work in progress. That's why we're able to laugh at that. But the beauty of the new life in Christ is we don't have to remain stuck in old patterns. We don't have to. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Okay? And the gospel frees us to say, in Christ... There is nothing I can do that would make God love me more. And nothing I have done that makes God love me less. That's awesome. That is incredible. And so once we come to realize that, then we can rest in the completed work of Christ on the cross. And yet, as we respond to Jesus, he does change us. And one of the biggest changes is in our attitudes towards others. I'd like you to think, how would our lives be different this week if we began to pray and act on this last closing thought? Here it is. As Jesus has been to me, so I will be to others. As Jesus has been to me, so I will be to others. I think that thought could change our lives and we could see how the gospel will reshape our relationships.